Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Parenting Pickup, a podcast simply made to help families with trending topics and so much more. We are positive you will pick up tidbits of helpful tips, tricks, activities, and advice when listening to our podcast. I'm your host, Kara. And I'm also your host, Ashley. Thanks for listening. We are excited to have Kate Wessinger join us today. Kate is an early childhood mental health specialist. Welcome, Kate. Happy to be here. Really excited to have you here with us today. Tell us why children bite. There are two main reasons that children engage in biting behavior. The first is biting due to oral sensory reasons. The second is biting due to a breakdown in skills under stress. Those main skills are emotional regulation skills and communication skills. So we can kind of think about about it like this. Uh, Biting is, unfortunately, a super effective strategy that children resort to because when they experience big, dysregulating feelings, their brain's language center naturally takes a back seat. That's part of the neurobiology of how the human brain works. So biting signals, I was here first, or I'm so mad. Even though the child might be able to say these phrases as a problem-solving skill when they're regulated, they can't access that skill when they're in a lower center of the brain and thus they resort to physically signaling their overwhelming distress with biting. Makes a lot of sense. (laughs) I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it's a little bit of how the brain works. At what age is biting most prominent? It might be helpful to go through the major age groups, uh, actually, because we always need to view a child's behavior through the lens of development, and kids can use biting behavior at at any age, really. So is it okay if we go through it that way? Sure, absolutely. All right. So let's think about, start at the beginning. So biting in infants. Uh, Biting in infants is mostly mouthing, right, which is discovering the world. It's also mostly pain relief. That's teething or illness. That's how babies can express they're in pain. Uh, There is some mixed communication in there too, which is usually communicating, pay attention to me. So uh, as an example, I know a family who's 14 month old, so this usually happens with older infants, but 14 month old figured out it was really effective to bite mom or dad when they were uh, busy making dinner because that was the pay attention to me signal, right? Mm -hmm. So in infants, that's what will mostly come up uh, for for biting. You can think about toddlers. So what biting looks like in toddlers, then you'll still see some mouthing, right? That's still discovering. Toddlers will still put things in their mouth and discover the world. You'll see some biting due to pain relief, again, teething or illness. There's also some sensory seeking that might be coming up, which is basically communicating the message, I'm an oral sensory seeker, and this feels good and calms my system. But biting in toddlers is mostly due to communication breakdown. So that's signaling, I can't handle this. I have no other skills to use in the stressful moment. A lot of examples are are really going to make sense to to people. It's give that back. I was there first. That's usually what biting is signaling with toddlers, those communication breakdowns. And yeah, and biting still does happen in preschoolers, so we can think about them too. Uh, there will be some biting due to sensory seeking. Again, that's the child who's saying, I'm an oral sensory seeker, and this feels good and calms my system. There's also mostly going to be 
that breakdown in emotional regulation and communication signaling like we talked about. So again, this is a child in preschool who might be biting that's basically signaling, I can't handle this. I have no other skills to use in this stressful moment. Again, that's the, I was there first, give it back. I want to turn with that toy. That's what that is usually signaling. So does that fit the bill for biting can be prominent in any age group and it's a little bit different for every one of them. Yeah, no, that is a very helpful breakdown. Um, as an, a parent of an infant, it's interesting to see how that progresses over time. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't have to deal with too much of it, but it's <laughs> out there. You could. You could be on either end of it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Like, as a parent, I have to say I've been on both sides of it, oh, where yeah. uh, my child was bitten, and that's kind of uncomfortable, and where they So it's really interesting. So as parents, what can we do to reduce and eliminate and support our our little biters if we have someone who's biting? Mm -hmm. Uh, So actually, if we can, I'd like to start by drawing to attention to the language that we use as adults. You use the noun biter just now. And it's essential, I think, to reframe the language from biter to child who uses biting behavior or bites because really what you focus on, you get more of. Children live up to the expectations that we set for them in our minds. So reframing a child's use of biting behavior is actually the first step that we do in reducing biting behavior. What most people then think about uh, or consider strategies to reduce biting behavior. First, I'm going to stop you right there because my mind is blown right now. I think <laughs> <Let's do that. laughs> changing the terminology mm-hmm. makes a world of difference. I mean, really, like, I think I've always referred to as a little, you know, this one is a little biter, this mm-hmm. one bites. And, yeah. and that's really, you're absolutely right. We're kind of labeling them and, and yeah. really focusing on that behavior instead of what you want. You know, Absolutely. Focus on what you want and thinking about how do you support your child as they navigate through the things you're talking about, their emotions or lack of language, all of that. that, Yeah, that's really, I think, an important concept for all of us as parents to just stop and think about that. That's kind of step one. Mm -hmm. They're a child first. They are not the behavior they're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and they, yeah, they're having these moments and and that helps us then really to use the strategies that, that we can think about together because we realize it's, like we said, biting due to oral sensory or probably biting due to those communication breakdowns or those emotional breakdowns. So yeah, it's, it's a different reframe. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being willing to share that moment. Of course. <laughs> that is a helpful reminder uh, for all of us parents out there. Your child is your child first, not their behavior. Uh, so yeah, so going forward then, so what are those common strategies that people are really thinking of uh, besides the reframe, which is huge? Uh, if if we were thinking about reducing biting behavior due to sensory reasons, so let's say you have a child who's, who's doing a lot of biting because you think it's the oral sensory piece, uh, supervision is going to be super helpful. Obviously, that's the main uh, strategy is just supervision so you can intervene. And what you'd be intervening with then would be a safe oral sensory option. So that would be a chewy, a teether, a pacifier. And depending on, on how effective that is, 
also your strategy would be to consult with an occupational therapist, especially if intensive biting persists as a toddler or a preschooler or even in an elementary age child, because they're going to need maybe extra support for that. And that's what that support looks like. It's out there for you. That's great to know that yeah. there are supports if you oh, yeah. do that. There totally are. Absolutely. Uh, similarly, but then you can enact it in a different intent. The most effective strategy for biting that we talked about, you know, due to breakdown in a child's skill, again, is supervision. But again, that intent is a little different because the intent is so that you can be proactive to, to interrupt the biting as it's happening. It's most effective to try to interrupt it because that's the learning that takes place in the moment. And we interrupt by teaching a new skill. So what, again, do we want the child to do instead of bite? We want them to ask. We want them to share. We want them to take a turn. We want them to wait. Teach the skill. If the biting has already taken place, then we help the child regain calm, repair, and then still teach that missing skill. It's just going to happen as a repair on the back end instead of in the moment, which is the most effective. And so the simple general response for teaching either in the moment if you can stop it or as the repair afterwards is just, ouch, biting hurts. You wanted blank, so you tried to bite. When you want blank, say or do this. That's wonderful. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a great teachable moment. Mm -hmm. And then I would assume that if you do that repetitively, every time it comes up, (laughs) the, the child will naturally learn like, okay, wait a second. I've heard that biting someone to get this toy or because my parents were doing the dishes and I bite them and it makes them stop, maybe here's the other step I should do instead. And they eventually learn it and then implement it. Exactly. You're teaching them a new skill. And, And they don't know what else to do in that moment. Their brain doesn't know what else to do. So we're literally going to give them the skill, teach them in the moment what to do. So yeah, if let's take that dinner example, uh, the language would shift to, ouch, biting hurts. You wanted mommy's attention, so you tried to bite. When you want my attention, tap me like this or say mommy, whatever replacement skill you want to mm-hmm. give. What, what do you want to teach your child in that moment, right? Right. And that's right. That's, that's simple. And then you have them literally do it with you in that moment. Tap me like this. Ready? Tap, tap. Oh, there you are. You wanted my attention. I see you. What is it? engage with them, right? Do do that that's in great. that moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's great because I think the normal reaction sometimes is to to yell mm-hmm. and be really frustrated and say things like, why do you continue to bite? Mm-hmm. Like that's the natural. So mm-hmm. having kind of this template of what you can say and repeatedly say when it happens, I think is really valuable and helpful. Yeah, you got it. So ouch, biting hurts. You wanted blank. So you tried to bite. When you want blank, Say or do this. Show and tell them exactly what to do and practice it in the moment. I love that. Show and tell them. That makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. And it works for every age. Are there any resources you would recommend for parents? So main resources. Uh, The first main resource is you. It's actually the attuned responsive adult bringing that helpful response in the moment that we just talked about. Resources on top of that, like we said, a chewy, especially if you've got biting behavior due to oral sensory reasons. Uh, there's also some storybook options out there. And, and I really encourage families to review with your child who's using biting behavior or with your child who's been bitten when they are fully 
calm. That's the only time when we can take in some new learning. So when they're fully calm, maybe reading some storybooks. Uh, two that come to mind are, uh, I think there's one still out there called Teeth Are Not For Biting. And uh, there's a Little Dino series out there. Uh, so this one would be Little Dinos Don't Bite. The other one, the other resource we can make sure that, like we said, people are aware of is, is when when does... If this is really hard, if it's kind of intractable behavior, uh, that would be consultation with an occupational therapist for that persistent, intensive biting behavior. Great. And it's nice to know you can use books as resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we have some questions from parents. So um, we'll refer to those. So the first one I have here is from Susan. Okay. And she has written, I read a lot of conflicting information and am confused about how to handle biting. Should I bite my child back when they bite? <laughs> this is such a valid question. I know that that it probably garners some some gasps or or judgment, but it's it's a super valid question, and here's why. Um, especially what you were saying earlier, Kara. In moments when you're so triggered by the biting, it's tempting to, in that moment of stress to want to bite the child back. It that's it, or yell or right. So that's that that overwhelming heated moment for us uh and in that moment we can instead tap into our composure recognize that biting your child will cause your child to bite more which is the opposite of what i think this parent is probably wanting when they ask this question (laughs) Um, we know it would cause the child to bite more because of of how the brain works and how children learn because again what we focus on we get more of and how children learn how to human is by watching us human. If we are like, oh, when you're angry, you bite, then you're just going to teach them, don't. Oh, when I'm angry, I bite. I bite. I'm going to bite. Bite, 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 bite. You're going to get a lot of biting. Uh, so do not bite your child back. Instead, it would be setting that boundary, teaching the missing skill, that, that general response we talked about. Ouch, biting hurts. You wanted blank, so you tried to bite. When you want blank, say or do this instead. This is wonderful advice because I agree with Susan. I think you can you you can just search online oh, and you'll come up it. with a myriad of information of all things from things that may be appropriate as you're suggesting, Kate, or things that seem completely off the wall. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have that feedback and really thinking about you want to teach your child in the moment and biting them back doesn't get that reaction, which I think a lot of parents consider that, especially if you read that somewhere. Yeah. It seems like, well, maybe if I bite them, they'll realize it hurts and they'll stop. Mm-hmm. And that's really not a logical connection for it's them not. to be able to make because they're following your behavior, as you mentioned. It's yeah. about modeling. So that, I think, is is really insightful and, and helpful. Yeah. And I appreciate you pointing out, again, that usually the, our parent parental intent is uh, to prove to the child that it hurts. And unfortunately, that is not the, the lesson that the child gets from that. So don't don't bite your child back. <laughs> Teach them a new skill. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Teaching a new skill is always helpful. Yep. What do you want them to do instead? And as a new parent myself, I can attest to the overwhelming amount of information. There's a lot out there. There's a lot out there. That is for sure. All right, our next question comes from Jonathan. He says, Fortunately, my child is not a biter, but has been bitten during several play dates with his sibling's son. What should I do? So I, I'm paying attention to Jonathan's language, so I'm going to point it out. <laughs> <laughs> Calls his, his child a biter, so thinking again, um, 
about reframing that. Also, there's a little judgment there saying, fortunately, my child is not a biter, but has been bitten, right? So like, ooh, right? It's okay. I, I know biting's a hard behavior on either side of the coin. Uh, but to, to do justice to, to Jonathan's uh, uh, comment, so when your child has been bitten, they need your empathy, they need your nurturing, and for you to teach self-advocacy, and it needs to happen in that order. Again, because children learn how to human by watching us. So don't share your indignation with them unless you want them to be indignant too, right? So when we, usually that mama bear, papa bear mode kind of kicks in, right? Your child's been bitten. That's natural. Compose yourself, breathe through it. Don't share your indignation with your child. <laughs> it'll, it'll cause some, some other behavior on the back end that isn't gonna be so helpful. Empathy, nurturing, self-advocacy. What does that kind of look like, right? Uh, sh- let them share their experience with you. Toddlers might point and pout. Like, I'm right there on my arm, right? And then you're going to acknowledge, oh, they bit you right there on your arm. Oh, ouch, that hurts. And again, biting hurts. Preschoolers, they'll tell you her who hurt them. <laughs> they'll tell you exactly how it happened and how they were wronged. And so, whether you know, wherever your child's at, uh, we provide that empathic validation in response. Oh, you didn't like that. Ouch, that hurts. Oh, you didn't like that. Ouch, that hurts. Even if it was Johnny and he did it on the slide in the playground. Oh, ouch, you didn't like that. That really hurts. Okay? Then, that nurturing piece. That's really there to, to literally provide healing, but to also signal that you've got this. You are your child's safekeeper. So show me your owie. Oh, ouch. I know that you just want to get some help. I know how to heal that owie. I'm going to put this soothing cream on it or this Band-Aid or this ice pack. You know, I'm going to kiss this boo-boo right here to help. We'll check your owie tomorrow and, and help it heal some more. So that's that nurturing, giving your child that moment of TLC, that little bit of first aid. Even if it happened hours ago, you're still checking in with them as their parent. Show me your owie. Oh, ouch, that must have hurt. Here's how we can take care of it at home. That's that nurturing. The last part is teaching the self-advocacy, and this is going to be hopefully super helpful to parents like Jonathan who um, really can be on on the lookout for this piece of the strategy so that their child doesn't get stuck feeling like a victim in life. So we don't want to overshare our indignation about the biting happening and we also don't want to allow them to feel stuck like a victim. So teach your child the self-advocacy so that they can use it with their peers who who might be using the biting behavior. Again, Jonathan said that that their that their child doesn't um, do the biting. So, when you teach your child that self advocacy, it ends up helping the child who does the biting behavior. Again, because we know we're teaching a skill, so it helps that child shift away from using hurtful patterns in the future to reduce your child continuing to get bit. So, I guess some examples we can think of for. Uh, what this would sound like. So if, if it's preschooler, if you have a preschooler, that self-advocacy might sound like something like, next time say, I don't like it when you bite me, ask me for a turn, and I'll give it to you when I'm done. So teaching that your child to advocate by telling their peer exactly what they want their peer to do instead of bite them, right? Ask, ask for a turn and I'll give it to you. Walk around me rather than, you know, feeling crowded and biting and pushing into me, right? Uh, For toddlers, it's going to sound simpler, but again, still self-advocacy, no bite, say please. 
No bite, say move. No bite, put your, you know, hand, turn, turn, turn please, right? What It's whatever the biting usually is taking place for, around toys or sharing or space, so. Yeah, so uh, share their experience, hear them out, nurture, and self-advocate. That's really wonderful and I think really practical advice. You know, if you just stop and, as you mentioned, breathe, that can help you as a parent navigate through the process for sure and then help your child take those same steps, mm-hmm. navigate through it as well. Right, because again, that that mommy bear, poppy bear mode kind of rears up first. <laughs> And there are strategies beyond the indignation, which which is still valid. We none of us want our, our children to be hurt, uh, and teaching them by going through these steps ourselves with them helps helps them know what to do in life, right? Absolutely, with their friends because this is going right. to probably happen at least once. Yep, wonderful advice. Yeah, good for him. Here's our final question. Okay, it's from Michaela, and she wrote, "My daughter was not a biter." There's that word again. Here's the opportunity (laughs) uh, in the infant classroom, but now that she has transitioned to the toddler room, she has started biting. What do I do? Okay, so just thinking about this, uh, uh, obviously we don't have all the facts. We we only have what she wrote in with. Uh, I'd say this is probably biting due to stress, and that's because if, if it was biting due to oral sensory seeking, there's a higher chance that their child would have explored some biting in the infant room, right? Um, if that makes sense. So biting due to stress when a child enters a toddler classroom is really common, frankly. And it's also totally understandable from the child's perspective, right? Uh, Remember, their biting is communicating, I can't handle this. I have no other skills to use in this stressful moment. So uh, for this parent, this is actually a great uh, example to share a bonus tip. Skip the lectures. We know to skip the lectures because only in-the-moment learning is effective. You don't have that opportunity because your child. In this scenario, it sounds like their child's getting bit when they're at childcare, and your mom, your or dad, you're receiving them on on pickup, and so you know they've gotten bit. So skip the lecture. Only in-the-moment learning is effective. Uh, what I would encourage this family to do is actually focus on the the de-stressing part that we assume their child's going through. Right, so. The bonus tip is to actually have this parent share more skin-to-skin time with their child to fully calm and balance their nervous system. The nervous system is that stress response. So if we can fully calm and balance it skin-to-skin, just like what you would think of with newborn babies, all people of all ages benefit from that. So this child might benefit from a dose of skin-to-skin bathing or book reading or show-watching dancing or nursing or bottle feeding with mom or dad. So I'm literally telling you to put on a show. <laughs> I'm going to tell you to watch TV with your kid, right? Put on a show, you know, and and do a little skin-to-skin time right there in your lap or, or back to tummy, you know, um, and, and, and have that moment to focus on de-stressing. And that would be probably daily, uh, if not more, maybe right away before school, maybe definitely afterwards, you know, winding down for bedtime, this can be helpful for folks to really, really soothe that sensory system. Um, I guess this family, you know, they could try some storybooks again. Uh, I'd also really focus on helping this parent check in with their child's teacher uh, to learn if their approach aligns with the main approach that we're thinking of, right? Supervision so that we can interrupt the act and, and teach a skill 
or uh, come around with a repair by teaching a skill. And that's, again, that response that we, we want the, the child to get. So, ouch, biting hurts, you want to blink, so you try to bite when you want blink, say or do this. Uh, I think the parent can also acknowledge moments at home when their child uses an adaptive skill in the place of biting. And and, and I, I say that because, again, this question doesn't sound like um, the biting's happening at home, right? If the biting was happening at home, the, the parent could, again, do that general supervise, interrupt, teach the skill. But it sounds like it's not happening, so you could think on the flip side, well, there's probably a lot of adaptive skills happening instead of biting, so call those out and show and tell your child about them. Uh, so, you know, you you waited your turn just like that. You're standing right there. Good for you. Because maybe at school they don't wait their turn. They push into people and they bite, right? Whatever you know are the moments that are coming up from school. Uh, or, you know, you wanted to be done wrestling, so you said, no, 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 no. And, and we stopped. Good for you, right? Because maybe they get roughhousy at school and they bite, right? So uh, just pointing out those moments that are happening at home so the child is is... So, so the parent, you still feel like you can do something as a parent, right? This is happening at child care. The, the, I'm assuming this parent probably feels like they're maybe less effective mm-hmm. than they'd maybe want to be, right? And I think there's some so, guilt associated sure. because nobody wants their yeah. you know, child to bite someone yes, else. to like, be hurtful. You, you, mm-hmm. you feel yeah. guilty. Like, guilty. What yeah. can I do? Is that yeah. a reflection of me? Yeah. Oh, and no, so no. Yes. I, I feel like all those emotions happen as an adult yeah. when you're you have a child that is exhibiting biting behaviors. They totally do. And so this kind of is an empowering strategy of you can still take those moments at home when the biting is not happening, when your child is using adaptive behavior in place of the biting that is probably breaking down and happening at school, so that you can call those moments out of, hey, wow, you you are waiting. You are taking your turn. You are asking. You are getting mommy's or, mommy or daddy's attention. You know, whatever moments that you can call out. That is a way to empower yourself as the parent so you don't feel so guilty and, and helpless. That makes sense. Well, I think I can speak for Kara and I both. We have learned a lot. So thank you so much, Kate, for joining us today. And we want to let everyone know that we will have resources available on our website that will kind of cover all the things that Kate had shared. And if you have any questions regarding today's episode, just email us at parentingpickup at nhacademy.net. Kate, thanks for being here. You're welcome.